Praise God. Praise God. Holy Spirit, the Lord always knows what's best and what's good for us. And the thing that I just find so awesome about God, what a loving God that we have, is that he knows the things that are going on in our lives. He knows the things that are going on in the world. And he can prepare us to make it through those things. One of the things that's going on in the world and you hear in the news of late is uh, Ebola, Ebola, Ebola. You know about the fights going on in the Middle East, you know, uh, you hear about different things that are, that are happening. And many Christians would tend to get nervous and to become afraid because of what's going on. Uh, I must admit it was kind of unsettling to me that uh, um, there was a, the Ebola thing kind of touched really local to home in the Salem Hospital. I know you saw an article about it and I heard it on the news where someone came into the hospital at Salem, but they... Uh, had some signs or something like that, but did not give them the thorough blood test, did not go through blood testing and release the person to population. And it just, this is right here in Salem. And many of the times the things that we see in the news is so far off, you know, it doesn't really strike home, you know. But it gives you time to pause and to say and to think about yourself relative to, to your own personal life. How do these things affect me and how might those things affect me, you know. But we as children of God, there's plenty of scripture, and we're going to cover some of that scripture today, that we shouldn't have to worry. You know, we should be wise and use some wisdom, but we shouldn't have to worry about things because God is indeed watching over us and God is indeed in charge. And if we are doing what God tells us to do, then we, we will be okay. But let's look at, you know, I, I never like to stand up here, as you know, and talk about things from my opinion point or from my position in terms of what I think, but what the word of God says relative to it. Okay, And I, I will tell you that there are many people of God out there who are very nervous and are very afraid of what is going on in the news, especially when it comes down to, to, to this terrible disease. And so Holy Spirit laid in my heart as I was preparing during the week and asking the Lord, what should I preach on? The subject kept coming up, kept coming up. So I asked the Lord, okay, then Lord, how would you want to say this in relative to your word? So let's go to Matthew 24, Matthew 24, and let's look, look at, first of all, some scriptural basis for what we're talking about here. You know, if many people, especially Christians, understood that the things that are here, um, God is in charge of and indeed was discussed uh, uh, prophetically in scripture. And what we are seeing unfolding before our very eyes is exactly what has been prophesied and spoken about. So if you go to Matthew chapter 24, and starting with verse number 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? Please underline, what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Okay, take heed means listen up, that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled, for these things must, must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now you know there are wars and rumors of war, almost every place on the planet Earth there's some sort of a conflict that's going on. We know about ISIS and all the things that's going on there, we know what's happening there. And so Jesus is saying that these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse number 7, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilences. Please underline pestilences. There shall be famine and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to the afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity, or, or, or lawlessness, is the uh, Greek translation there, because iniquity shall abound, 
the love of many shall grow cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Please not lie, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. All right, so we see a lot of signposts here. First of all, he's saying that many, all of these things have to come to pass, but still there's something that is remaining, and that is that the gospel covering the entire earth. It's on the way of being to that point. It's on the way of being it, but it hasn't quite gotten there yet. But there are many things talking about pestilences. You know, pestilences, that's, that's, that's disease. You know, and he's saying here that these things shall indeed and must come to pass. All right? It also talks about you, you will be, be hated for my name's sake. Well, you know, there is, there is an ongoing persecution of Christians. I mean, you hear that today. You know, God is being taken out of the schools as much as possible. Is being taken out of every point of life just about. They, they, now I'm hearing this thing about um, they did not want to have a... Christmas celebration because it was too religiously oriented. Every time you turn around, someone is trying to get reference to Jesus and God out of the picture. All right. We also know that down in Texas now, uh, I think it was Houston, I think it was, the pastors down there are now they're looking at directing the pastors to give their sermons over to be reviewed before they can preach them. They want emails of the congregation members. What kind of emails are you sending back and forth to your congregation members, you see? So everything that's being discussed here is indeed coming to pass in this world while we are still here, all right? But the Word of God here talks about, you know, uh, it also says, uh, Beware of false prophets and shall deceive many. And, uh, and because of that, lawlessness shall abound. The love of many shall grow cold. We know that there's lawlessness abounding right now. And the love of many growing cold. Cold. Growing cold meaning falling away from the church even. There are many Christians who are falling away from God instead of running to God. All right? But the key words here in verse number 13 I really want to dwell on today. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Okay? So if all of this is going on right now, you hear so much about Ebola and so much about ISIS and everything else that's going on. How do you endure? How do you hold on? How do you, 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 you stay strong? Okay? Um, you know, talking about pestilences and, 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 and Ebola and disease and whatnot, you know. We're going to read a lot of scriptures here which gives us some insights on what we should be doing. But you have to use some wisdom and some common sense, you know. If you know there's disease that's going around, you know, it, it, wash your hands. Be careful of who you're affiliating with. With Children can carry these little diseases and germs. I'm not saying necessarily Ebola, but just from colds and things like that, you've got to be careful if you're around little children. You know, you know, children get us adults sick, and then the kids, the kids recuperate in a day or so, and then we're down for two to three weeks, you know, because we don't recuperate as quickly as the children do, you know. So God would, use, would have us to use some, some good old Holy Spirit sense, too. But let's, talk, let's look about this pestilence thing again. Let's go to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Because there's always something, something popping up. I remember when the AIDS thing first came out, they had a lot of people really, you know, upset about that. It's still a terrible, a terrible disease, you know. But there will be pestilences and things that are popping up, and what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves as Christians? Psalm 91, starting with verse number 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, the Almighty here is, is referring to El Shaddai. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence, underlying pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thy shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, underlying pestilence, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near thee. These are the lines shall not come near thee. All right. So there's a couple of things in here, several things in here that are, are keys to what God is telling us. In verse number one, it says, "He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the wings." So that means being in the presence of God, and dwelling means a place that you are constantly. You know, you don't make you don't make a casual trip to your house. 
You don't visit your house. You live in your house. You dwell in your house. So that means we as, as children of God, as Christians, should be dwelling and living in God. How do we do that? It means as much as we possibly can, we're in the Word. We're studying the Word of God. We're praying. When things go wrong in our lives, the first thing we do is we, we, run, we run to God. You know, you hear me mention the hangnail. You know, I get a hangnail that particularly hurts, and I'm trying to figure out how to cut this out. I pray over it. I ask the Lord, Lord, how should I cut this hangnail first? I mean, how should I do that? And that is getting you in the habit of trusting in God, you see. So you have to dwell with God. You have to be there all the time. He says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. Now, the fowler here that is being talked about is no more than the devil himself, no less than the devil himself. The snare, a snare is a trap. So that means that the devil would love to trap all of us Christians. He would love to put us in a place here where he can trap us and trick us. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. So, but then five is a good scripture. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies thy day by day, nor for the pestilence which walks in the darkness, nor for the destruction at noonday. Okay, so in other words, just because we know and are aware of what's happening with this disease that's out that out there, we should not be afraid. We should not be afraid. We should know that if we're dwelling in God and we're constantly seeking the Lord's face and we're doing some praying, that he's going to protect us. Now, does that mean that you go into a place where you know there is sickness and disease and it's going and just inhale everything and, and start, you know, drinking behind people there? Of course not, you know. But what this is saying, though, all things being equal, if you are in God and you're praying in God and you're trusting in God, that, that he will deliver you, you know. One thing I say particularly cautiously, I mean, I'm not a medical person, but I follow the news and I hear what's going on and with this particular disease there are so many conflicts in terms of what is, pop, what is the proper protection what is the, the PPE personal protection equipment that they should be wearing there's so many conflicting things about whether it's three layers two layers or whatever that's going on so that tells me right away that if they these people in medical authorities if they really don't know and if they're bumbling and fumbling that I'm surely, surely not going to rely on them to keep me safe from, safe from this disease I'm going to rely on God why? Because of what his word says right there. All right? That he will protect me. That if I dwell with him, he will keep me safe from the noise and pestilence. And if people are falling to the left and the right of me, what does it say there? It says that you shall not be afraid for a turbine, night, nor for the present. A thousand, verse number seven, a thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near thee. All right? And I don't want you to respond or to raise your hand, but how many here really, really believe that? All right. How many really believe that? If the people next door to you in your house, on your block, the house right next to you, you got word that they came down with Ebola or any other disease, how many here would really believe that they would be safe, that God would keep them safe? Amen? Amen? Okay? So it's how much you really dwell in God and how much you really believe what God is telling you here that he will indeed keep you safe. Pestilence and all other issues of modern times will not affect us, but we must be guided by Holy Spirit and use wisdom. All right? It said endure before we read. It said that if you endure, they shall be delivered to the end. So what does, again, what does this enduring mean? Enduring mean, again, I said, to use some wisdom in what we do. You know, you've got kids coming around. You keep them separated from you and your other kids. You've got kids in the household that are coming in that are sick. You're sending them to school. You know, use some Holy Spirit wisdom. If God tells you for some strange reason, you know, that little guy in school, you know, um, Harvey or whatever, he's constantly sick, you know, maybe I should keep my son or my daughter home, you pray about that. You listen. Maybe God is trying to tell you something on that given day to keep your son, your son or your daughter home. You see, we need to use some wisdom. We need to use some wisdom. Okay? Wisdom has a starting point. Let's go to Proverbs. How do we endure? We endure by using God's wisdom. God has given us all wisdom, but so many times we go about our lives not thinking about what we should or shouldn't do. And we don't use this plain old common sense, you know. And when I say common sense, I mean common sense in terms of thinking and remembering to yourself, well, gee whiz, something is going wrong here. I need to run to the Lord. Okay? And that's wisdom. Wisdom has a starting point. We go to Proverbs, verse number 1. Proverbs, verse number 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. Now, listen, this gives you a little background and meaning of Proverbs. I love this. So, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, righteousness and justice and equity, 
to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Dark sayings really just means riddles, okay? So it takes some understanding to even understand what Proverbs is saying here. But it's saying here that a wise man will hear and will increase learning. You know, I know my, my, my dad used to always say, <laughs> with his wisdom, used to always say, he would say, you know, a wise man, a wise man can learn from a fool, but a fool cannot learn from a wise man, Okay? A wise man can even learn from a fool, but a fool cannot learn from a wise man. All right? Because the foolish man is so busy thinking other things and thinking that he is the end-all, be-all, and that no one else can give him good counsel, that he misses counsel from someone that is wise. Whereas a wise person will even sit down and listen to the fool, because there may be some words of wisdom there. Amen? But what is this wisdom, and where does it start with? Okay, so verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it starts with us, first of all, fearing God. And this fear is not the kind of fear meaning that, oh gosh, there's the Lord, and you're, you're cowering in fear. This fear is talking about reverence. This is holding God in reverence, understanding that God is indeed who he is, that God loves you, and that God can indeed protect you and change your life in ways that you will never understand. This is the fear or the reverence of God. Don't dismiss God. Don't take God lightly, which so many people do. Don't take God as an afterthought. Don't take God and start all of a sudden crying to him after you've gotten yourself in trouble. The time to think about God and to revere him and to hold him up is when, before you get yourself into trouble, consulting his face, asking him questions before you make a decision, before you decide to do something. This is understanding that God is omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. Okay, meaning that he's all-knowing, he's, all, he's, all, he's in all places, and he's all-powerful. Recognizing that mere fact in God and that God is your heavenly Father and loves you, if you can get that deep down in your gut, deep in your spirit, and really, 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 really understand that, then that's the beginning of wisdom. Okay? Once you get to the point of realizing that God is indeed who he says he is, once you really, really believe that, that's the beginning of wisdom. Okay? Now, let's go to Proverbs 2. We're going to dwell on wisdom a little bit here. Proverbs 2, verse number 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and lay up my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy, apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if, underline the word if in both places there, if thou seekest, seekest her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then, underline then, shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Okay? So what, what this is saying is that if you cry out, if you're asking the Lord for knowledge and for understanding, and if you seek after knowing God, having godly wisdom the same way you seek after silver or gold, in other words, those are things that are important to you. All right? We all know that in Scripture, silver and gold were precious metals and so on. So whatever things in life that are important to you, you know, you, know, you always hear me, me, me tease you ladies about you know, going after those high, high heel shoes that you saw in Nordstrom that you're going after. And you'll go over high water to get to those shoes and bankrupt yourself and everything else, charge up your card beyond the limit just to get those shoes. The same way you went seeking after those high, high heel shoes, that's how we should be seeking after knowledge and wisdom. Okay, it said more so than silver and gold. Amen. So this has got to be important to you. If you want to have knowledge, if you want to have wisdom, and if you want to seek it, then, then this, is, this is how you go about doing it, by, by wanting it so, so badly. By wanting it so badly. It said, if you cry after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Verse 7, he lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. All right, so now you see here wisdom and protection tying in together. You see? You see? 
How can you expect to have protection from any pestilence, any disease, or anything else out there if you don't have godly wisdom and if you don't understand the priority, the priority or the hierarchy of your of the things in your life that you hold important? If you don't understand that God is first, then first of all you're off the wisdom track right away, and so therefore you are exposing yourself to all sorts of snare traps of the, of the evil one. Amen. Amen. So he's saying that he lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He keeps the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. The saints are us. The saints are the children of God. Saints are not those little carved images that you see people putting on their dashboards. All right. Saints throughout scripture here is referring to the children of God. Okay. Then shalt thou understand. This is the line understand. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and justice and equity. Yea, every good path. When wisdom enters into your heart. And knowledge is present unto thy soul. Discretion, please underline discretion. Discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee. All right? So when wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge and, it's, and it becomes pleasant to your soul, then there will, be, there will be some discretion. One thing we need as Christians is discretion. We need to know when to speak. And we need to know when to keep our mouths shut sometimes. Amen? And many times if you can't... Say something that's edifying to someone, something that's building up some, someone to make them feel good. Then maybe it's better off that you just say nothing at all rather than being so quick to tear people down. All right. All right. But when wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge is planted, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. And understanding here is not just talking about understanding a complex algebraic equation or understanding some complex chemical formula even though some of us are better than that than others. <laughs> and understanding a, a complex chemical formula, we're talking about godly, deep understanding. All right? Understanding of Scripture and understanding what Holy Spirit is saying to you through Scripture based on Holy Spirit revelation is different from intellectually understanding and reading the Word of God. There's a difference here. God is talking about deep spiritual understanding in these Scriptures here. He's not just talking about us being able to parrot back the word of God. You know, you can parrot back Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. You can parrot that back. You know, you probably could teach a parrot to even say it. Okay. But really understanding spiritually what that, what that Psalm is saying is a different thing. So this is a deep spiritual understanding. Discretion shall keep thee. Understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from men that speak perverse things. Who, have, uh, who leave the paths of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the perverseness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and, and, they, uh, and they perverse in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the foreigner who flatters with her words, who forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. So this is even saying it to, be, to watch out for strange using some wisdom in who you're dealing with, uh, a male or female for that matter, in, in, in being led astray because of whatever it is that they may be into. All right? So I want to pause there for a minute. So basically what we see here is that, is that wisdom delivers from evil. Then we, I want to jump down to, to uh, number three, Proverbs number three, and dwell a bit on what it's saying here because this is talking about the rewards of wisdom. Where I'm going with this is I'm trying to say to you that with all that is happening out there in the world today, all that's happening out there where many people are so afraid and so, and so worried that we as Christians and children of God should not be that afraid and should not be worried. Amen. It does not mean that we just go helter-skelter and don't use some precautions in what we're doing. But what I am saying here is that if you have faith in God and you're seeking the wisdom of God, God will actually guide you. You know, how many here, here understand again that there may be some place that you are heading, some place that you are going? And if you are really in the habit of seeking God's face and you've been praying to God and really spend your time in the morning, you know, again, don't raise your hands, but how many here in the morning get up and spend some time with God? All of us are so busy. Many of us barely have time to eat or have a cup of coffee or tea before we leave. But how many of us take the time out to spend some time with God? All right. Even if you don't have much time to get dressed in the morning, you know, I pray, I pray while I'm in the shower. Pray while I'm brushing, brushing my, my teeth. The beautiful things about praying in tongues is that you don't have to articulate or enounce every single word. It's kind of hard to do with a toothbrush in your mouth. Amen? Amen? But if you're praying in the Spirit, you can certainly spend some time with God even while you're getting dressed. 
The whole thing is that how many of us get up in the morning and think about God? What is the first thought when you wake up? Is the first thought about your job or what you have to do that day? Is your first thought about, you know, an issue that you have? Is your first thought about Aunt Tilly who's giving you such a hard time? And what she said on you on the phone the last time you talked to her, you're still brewing, you're still mad about that when you wake up in the morning. How many of us wake up in the morning thinking about God? Okay? This is where you need to get to, you see. And wisdom and understanding there is that the, the, the wisdom there is you, you getting yourself to a place in life that you realize that God is the end all, be all of all that you are. And that if you seek him first, if you can just get in the habit of seeking God first in the morning and saying a prayer, you know. And, 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 and how many here realize that when you're praying to God, you don't have to get down on your knees and start using a whole lot of fancy these and thous. You don't have to pray like King James Bible, you know. You know, the most effective prayer that I've heard ever prayed is, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Simple as that. God knows what's in your heart. God knows what's going on in your life. He knows. He knows what you're heading into. He knows that the person in your office, even though he or she has not told anybody, is sick. And they're harboring some disease. God knows that. God may tell you, don't go into work today. God may say to you, stay away from so-and-so. God may say to you, do this or do that. You see, but if you're not accustomed to, to talking to God in the morning, then you go barreling out the door without his protection. See, and that's not wise. That is not using wisdom. Wisdom is you getting to the point of really understanding that God guides my life, or God can guide my life. Okay? Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Holy Spirit is a gentleman. You'll never, hardly ever hear him shouting at your voice, screaming at you to don't do this or don't do that. Now, God is God, and the Lord knows that I'm not trying to speak for him. God can certainly speak to you in a loud, booming, open voice. All right, But 99% of the time, it's that still, quiet voice that's in you, you see. But if you're so busy running and running and running and all you want to do is please, is please, please the man and please the boss by getting there, you know, at eight o'clock on the dot and you've got no time for God. God may be telling you that very day, gee as you know, that block that you work on, there's going to be an earthquake that day. He may want you to go someplace else, you see. But if you're not taking time to spend with God, you won't even know that. You won't even hear Holy Spirit calling to you and telling you don't do something, you know. So many times we make decisions and we say, oh, yeah, I prayed about it. I prayed about this and I prayed about that. And you went on and you make that decision, you know. But the thing or the answer that you heard, was that really you that you heard or was it Holy Spirit? You see, so we need to get to the point that with wisdom, we believe what this word here is telling us, first of all, and understand that I have to dwell with him and live with him so that I recognize his voice. All right. The people that you associate the most with, the people that you live with, you know, how many here have been in a store and have heard the voice coming down from an aisle that sounded like someone you knew, especially if you have children. This just happened to us all the time when the kids were little. You have a voice that sounds just like your kids, you know, you know, so you, you, you know their voice. So you recognize the voice of those that are near you. You recognize the voice of those that are near you. So if you're not near to God, how are you going to know his voice? How are you going to know his voice? Okay? If you don't believe what is here, well, then that's a whole different issue there, too. Because then you really have some work to do. If you're in doubt, you're doubting what God is saying in his word here, you see. And then that holds us further back. But when you get to the point of really realizing that the way that I can get over the issues in my life, the way I can, can overcome those challenges in my life, the way I can stay safe, the way I can move into the future without worrying about my life, okay, is all dependent on me using some wisdom, dwelling in God and seeking his voice. All right? If you can really believe that, that's the beginning of, of, of true wisdom. All right? So it goes on to say here, what did I say, verse uh, chapter 3? My son, forget not, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Please underline all of verse number three. Number two, rather. Okay? And number one, for that matter. Because it says, son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. And why? For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So in other words, if you remember God's words and you keep his commandments, then there's an upside to it, and that's long life. So therefore, that must mean then the, the opposite of that then is that if I don't keep his commandments and don't observe his ways and his law, then that means then the days of my life could be shortened. 
Amen? 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 So if you want long life, length of days, and you want peace, then do what he's saying in verse number 1. In verse number 3 it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So here's another hint to us then, to keep mercy and truth. Um, do, do not forsake them. You know, bind them. Keep them close to you. Keep them close in your heart. So shalt thou find favor and good undertaking in the sight of God and man. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. I love that, that scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto all thine understanding. So in other words, the beginning of wisdom also and knowledge is understanding to trust in God uh, and don't lean on your own understanding. Leaning on your own understanding is when God's word is saying one thing and you're going into an impossible situation in your life. It's really challenging. You can't see how this could work out any other way. And in your little puny mind, you're doing the calculating and you're saying, well, this is going to happen. This is what did happen. This is what's going on. This way. And you figure out, say, no way can I be delivered from this situation. No way can this work out good for me. That's leaning on your own understanding because you're the one that's trying to figure it out. Whereas God is telling you just the opposite. God is saying here that if you trust in me and if you have faith and do not have doubt, don't try to figure out how it's going to happen. Don't try to figure it out. You, you, you know, just do what you do. Do what my word says. You know, I told you all a couple of weeks ago when we were here about my jury duty experience. That's a good point, case, case in point right, right there. I mean, leaning upon my own understanding and the fact that when I tried to um, have my jury duty postponed, because I believe in serving, I believe that, that as a child of God and as a citizen, that is my duty to do that. I believe in serving, but because I was going to be out of town, I could not serve on the day that they wanted. And the, the summons said, you know, according to Oregon law, statute, yada, 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 if you don't show up, you're going to jail, etc. You know, so leaning onto my own understanding, the fact that they had denied me twice to have it postponed, leaning on my own understanding would be that I'm going into an impossible situation here. When I go down to see the judge, they're not going to let me out. They're not going to let me out. They denied me twice by email, and so what's the point? Leaning on my own understanding, you see? But trusting in God and knowing that I was being truthful, I was not trying to get out and be deceptive to to the state. Being truthful, I knew that God would bring me through. And when I got down there to the place and, and I had all my tickets and hotel reservations in my briefcase ready to pull it out and show them all and whatnot, it was done in less than 20 seconds. Oh, no problem. We'll postpone you to January. And I almost thought, I said, but I got tickets. And the guy said, you're done. Next. All right. So leaning not on your own understanding. All right. Looking at what had happened to me, the denials and whatnot in my own mind. And to some people would have said, oh, well, it's a done deal. I got to cancel my plans and that and that. Okay. But don't lean on your own understanding. You've got to get to the point that you're trusting God. All right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart. Not just some things in your life, but all. It's so, I feel like I need to dwell on this for some reason. Um, so many times we will find it easy to not lean on our own understanding when it's referring to trivial things in our life. Where... To you, it really doesn't matter that much which way it goes, whether it's yay, yes or no, or whatever. It, it, you know, it, it, so, so that you'll kind of give to God. But when it comes down to the, to the critical, life-changing things in your life, the things that really seem impossible, that's where we still tend to hold on to, you see? And that's so crazy to me because it would seem like the things that are really life-threatening or life-changing or really critical in your life that should be the thing that you would give to God. Not the easy things, you see. But we tend to do just the opposite. The easy things, you know, uh, oh, Lord, I'm going into the story. Lord, I hope there's a Coke in the freezer left. I hope they still have a Coke in stock. So you get in there and you find a Coke. Oh, boy, God bless me. God answer my prayers, okay? When it comes down to a health situation, you come down to, 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 to a baby, you know, all of a sudden is choking and turning blue. When it comes down to a loved one, a family member, or a friend that, that's in dire straits and something is going wrong, these are the things that we're, we, we don't give to God. We start leaning on our own understanding. We start calculating, oh, gee, look at no way can, no way can my baby survive this stuff that they turn it back here. And you, and you start panicking and you, and you forget about God. Well, this is where you don't need to lean on your own understanding. You've got to get to the point that you just trust God. 
You just trust God, period, without giving it a whole lot of calculations and what are the odds, what are the chances of the... We're not in Las Vegas, folks. With God, this is not, gam- this is not a gamble. If you trust in God, trust me when I say this. Don't trust me. Trust what the Word says. God will bring you through. He'll deliver you. Amen? So it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. And then number six, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Now, that's the other part of that, of that wisdom, of that, that, that conversation there. Not only trust in the Lord and don't lean in your understanding, but acknowledge God and, and he shall direct your paths. Okay? Now, what I see happening so many times also with Christians is that when we do trust in God and don't lean our own understanding, and then we get blessed, you get that new job, all of a sudden the bill that you are so worried about, all of a sudden there's money to pay that bill, you know, and you are so sweating about it and God blesses you, 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 you know, you, you have some challenges in making a, a, a new purchase, some challenges pop up in a purchase that you're trying to make and, and God works a miracle and brings you through that and you're, you're all happy. How many of us remember to acknowledge God? Okay? How many of us are willing and remember that, oh boy, God is the one that did this. Amen? So every time we're blessed with something, every time God brings you out of a difficult situation, don't forget to acknowledge Him. Acknowledge the fact that God did this, you know? And then it says, and if you do that, it says God will direct your path. You see? So I want my path directed. I sort of want to go someplace where there's Ebola going on or any other sickness, and I need God to direct my path. So I need to make sure that when God is blessing me and He's, and he's doing things in my life, that, that I acknowledge Him. I acknowledge Him. You've got to give Him the glory and the praise. Amen. I remember, oh boy, you know, I've got so many stories, I keep you until next month. But um, there, was a, there was a fellow in, in the congregation that had a difficult time in buying a home. He and his wife both, the credit was shot and so on like that. All right? God worked a miracle in his life, and the bank blessed them with a mortgage. The bank said, okay. God blessed them, and the bank said, okay, we'll give you the mortgage. The next time that we saw him in church, and he was talking about what had happened with the mortgage and everything, he said, yeah, we got the good news and everything like that, you know, but I found out because of my military um, um, credits that I had and all like that and everything, they were probably going to approve it anyway. And I looked at him, and I was like, oh, man, I want to move over because it's going to be a lightning bolt. You know, you know. I, I knew what God, I knew that God had worked in this young man's life. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I just knew it in my spirit. Um, a couple of weeks went by and everything. And, oh, how's it going with the house? Um, the bank rescinded the offer. I said, what? The bank rescinded the loan. They decided not to do it. I said, well, what happened? I don't know. I'm still not, not clear yet. I'm going down to meet with them, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? He did not give the glory to God. I know that beyond a shadow of it. And he knew it. I could tell by his face. I could tell by his face. He knew it. He didn't give God the glory. He, 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 he poo-pooed it away and said, oh, I would have gotten it on my own giving himself the glory because of my medical credits, veterans' credits. I'm sorry, not medical. His military uh, veteran status or something like that. He was giving the glory to that instead of the fact that God did a miracle. You've got to be careful, folks, children of God. You've got to be careful. When God is blessing you, you need to make sure that you go back and you acknowledge him and you thank him. And if anyone asks about it, you tell them openly and honestly and up front. Say, yes, I was blessed with this. God, God did a thing. And boy, oh boy, I was kind of concerned that it was going to work out. But God blessed me and I got it and so forth and so on. And you give him, give him the glory. Because what does it say? They say if you do that, that he'll direct your path. You see? So many times we as Christians wonder why we're struggling and why we're not being blessed. And many times it's because we are overlooking some of the things that the Word of God says we should be doing. Oh, well, how do I know what the Word of God says I should be doing? Read it! Read it! Spend some time in the Word of God. Amen? Spend some time in the Word of God. Continue on here with wisdom. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay? Be not wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't think that you'll miss all that. Don't think that you know everything. Don't think that you have the answers to all things. You know, don't, don't think that you're the one that can solve all the problems. You know, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all thine increase. Honor the Lord with thy sons and the first fruits of all thine increase. Look, this is talking about here. It's talking about. Don't forget, when this was written, civilization was, was greatly an agrarian society. and They were farmers and had cattle and things like that. So this is saying here that whenever you are increased, 
your cattle, your fruit, or whatever, okay? Whenever you, you are increased, that you, you give the first fruits of all of your increase. Honor the Lord that with, with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase, all right? So if you had a bumper crop, and there was an increase in your crop, then you were supposed to tithe of that crop. And other parts of Scripture talks about that. For the first fruits means the first. Now, that gets down to the, the, the ages-old discussion. I'm going a little bit sideways here, but I feel that to, to go this way anyway. It gets down to the age-old, age-old discussion about how do I tithe? Do I tithe on my net earnings or do I tithe on my gross? Your gross is your first fruits. All right? That's before taxes. That's, that, that's your first fruits. All right. So in other words, if you were a farmer, you don't go counting, well, you know, I, my increase was, you, you know, uh, one acre of land, but, but part of that I'm going to use for something else, so therefore this half an acre, that's what I'm going to give God my offering on. No, it doesn't work like that. You tithe on your, on your first fruits, right? the first part of it, okay? And it says, of all your increase. The other reason that many people are not blessed is they think that simply because I don't go to church that I don't have to tithe. All right? On a given week. If you were given an increase, if you got a, 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 if you got paid, you know, if I ever had any, you know, I, I had a surprising increase um, from um, where I retired. They had miscalculated retirement and so on like that, and they sent me a sizable check. Now, that wasn't a work week, a work month salary. It was some money that they owed me. I tithed on that. I gave a portion of that, all right? So every time you are increased, be it by a gift or something like that, you need to remember the Lord. Okay, and don't think that just because on a given Sunday you don't go to church and you got paid, don't think that because you got paid but you're not going to church that you shouldn't be tithing. That's not what the Word of God tells us at all. When every time you get an increase, that's when you should be giving to God, giving to God. All right, and I, I've known, thank God, you know, I'm not getting in talking about confidential stuff, but thank God though, um, people, you know, that that I that worship and so on like that, they do, they, they catch it if they're not here when they do tithe, they. They tithe the whole amount, showing whatever, whatever they missed, you see. So, you, you, you know, I'm saying all this to, to say to you that I'm not trying to, I hate talking about giving and things like that because it always sounds so self-serving and whatnot. But I have to tell you what God says because if I don't tell you what God says, then I'm, I'm held responsible, okay, for you not knowing. And so if you're not giving or not doing something in accordance with the word of God and I don't tell you, then it's not on you. It's on me because I'm not telling you. Okay? So I just have to tell you what the word of God says and then you weigh it for yourself and do what you want to do because no one forces you to give or to tithe or anything else. The word of God speaks about what tithing is about is a tenth of your first fruits. So that means, and every time you're increased. If you are paid weekly, that means that's your increase weekly. If you're paid weekly, that means every time you are paid, you're supposed to be tithing. If you're paid monthly, Monthly, then every time you're paid, that's your increase, you should be tithing. If you do not make it to church on that week or that month that you're paid, and you, you, go, to, you go in the next month or the next week, you don't stop tithing simply because of the fact you don't go to church. You should be setting the money aside. Amen? You should be setting the money aside. This is what the Word of God says. Now, you, you know, I, I'm not begging for money and asking you to do anything. I'm just giving you what the Word of God says here. Okay? And I found that over the many years being in ministry... People who stick by this, it's using some wisdom, and they're blessed. And they're blessed. I've seen these people struggle less because of the fact they're following what God is telling them to do. Okay, so don't be wise in your own eyes and think that you don't, you know, you don't have to do it. Honor thy Lord with thy substance, first fruits. So shall thy barns, verse number 10, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst with new wine. And again, that relates to verse number 9. If you want your barns to be filled with plenty, now we don't all have barns. This is your bank account. All right. If you want your bank account to be bursting at the seams, if you want to prosper, then you have to do what verse number nine is saying. All right. And the reason that many people struggle and don't prosper is because they don't do what number nine is saying. Okay. They rationalize to themselves, being wise in my own understanding. Well, I didn't go to church today. I didn't hear the preacher ask for the tithe, so therefore I don't have to give it. That's not what the Word of God says. And then they wonder why they're struggling. Amen. Okay. Wisdom, my son. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, or whom the Lord, whom the Lord uh, loveth, he corrects even as a father the son in whom he delights. All right? So if, if God is chastising you for something, it's because he loves you. 
You see, and the same way you chastise a child that you have or someone that you are in authority over, the same way you chastise them, God will chastise us too because of the fact that he loves us. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. All right? So finding wisdom and getting understanding, you see. And, and so, so wisdom and understanding, if you notice, they keep being used separately here, but they are indeed linked together. So it's having some wisdom and understanding what it is that God is telling you to do and how the whole process works for that matter. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is, a more precious, uh, she is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are of pleasantness, and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retains her. So, you see, so now we see wisdom being, relate, being related to length of days, long life, and also being related to, to happiness. The Lord, by wisdom, has founded the earth. By understanding has he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down uh, the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. All right? All right? Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep wisdom and discretion. You see? And, and, and this being discreet is something that we need to really work on, even as children of God. You know? When do we say something? When do we not say something? How we say something? We should choose our words. You know? You know, you heard me talk about the old thing when a lady asked you, Oh, you like my dress? You know? And it's particularly ugly. You know, you've heard him say, oh, it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, oh, that's the ugliest thing in the world I've seen. Oh, my gosh, how could you buy it? Go get your money back. No, no. All right. You know, you know, use some discretion in the things that we, we do in life, you know. Now, I'm taking that to an extreme. But how many times do we talk to our own brothers and sisters in the Lord? And how much discretion do we use when we're talking to them? You know, would God say some of the things to us? That we say to others, other Christians, be it in person, be it on Twitter, be it on Facebook, you know, think about what you're writing. Use some discretion. Use some discretion. Amen. 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 So shall they be life unto your soul and grace to your neck. Verse 23. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. All right. So doing all of those things gives you some assurance. So underline verse number 23. If you do all of the above, then shall you walk in your way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. You want to be safe. You want to be not have to worry about this Ebola and everything else that's going on. You do what God is talking about up there. When thou when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep will be sweet. If you're not sleeping well at night, give some thought. To what your thoughts are. Give some thought to how much are you trusting God for. Amen. There's a, there's a psalm that talks about, I think it's Psalm 2, I believe it is, that talks about um, um, when I lay down at night, my, sweet, my sleep shall be sweet. So if you're tossing and turning, then there's something going on in your psyche, something going on in your spirit, in your mind, that, you, you, that you're, you're troubled with. That you're trying to lean on your own understanding and you're trying to work it out yourself. Okay? Whereas if you just laid down and said, uh, okay, God, you take it. I'm not going to worry about it. Okay, you'll sleep sweetly. All right? Does anyone here in the sanctuary stay up late at night and lose sleep for thinking that they're going to stop breathing? All right? Stop and think about it. You don't lay awake and oh, here comes a breath. Here comes a breath. Okay, and lay, is there going to be another breath? You don't lay awake doing that. All right? So the same way you don't lay awake worrying about your breath, where that's going to come from, why not give it to God, whatever the thing that you're worried about? Okay, again, this is not leaning on your own understanding, getting to the point that you're really, really trusting God. Amen? Be not afraid. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord shall be your confidence and shall keep your foot from being taken. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. 
if any of you manage people, you know, we can always re- remember if someone deserves an increase or deserves an attaboy, they, then you should do it. If someone in your family deserves a, an attaboy, job well done, you need to be able to say it. Don't be so afraid to give a compliment to someone when it, when it is due. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. All right? If you have, you know, <laughs> that old proverbial cup of sugar, you know. So can, I borrow your, can I borrow your lawnmower? Oh, come back tomorrow. I don't, I don't have it. It's down the block. If you've got it there, let him borrow the lawnmower. You know, I mean, providing he hasn't wrecked it before, use some wisdom. <laughs> okay, this way you want to use some wisdom. You know, he's destroyed four of them. Doesn't mean you should necessarily let him borrow it again. So use some wisdom here. Amen. Amen. But basically what it's saying is don't put If you have something to give to someone when they're asking for it, to do it at that point in time. Verse 29. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwells securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause, if he has done thee no harm. Right, now, this is where you, you, you're striving and you're stirring up strife with someone for no reason. They haven't done you any harm, but for some reason you're writing something. And I see this happening in Facebook so much. That's, I guess, one reason I'm not on it that much. But you see things that are written that just stir people up. For what? Why, why, start, why start strife and, 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 and so on? Envy, not, and envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the perverse is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret of, uh, is with Righteousness. The curse of the Lord is, is in the house of the wicked, but he blessed the habitation of the just. Surely he scoffs uh, at the scoffers, but he gives grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Okay? So with, with that in, in, in closing here, it's all, it's, all about, it's all about wisdom. You know, you know the, the um, current events that we may read in newspapers and see on the news as the months, weeks, years unfold, you know, and as Jesus continues to tarry, may even be worse than what they are today. But we as Christians, though, shouldn't have to fear that. You know, if we know, we really, really know and believe that God is going to guide us, that God will give us direction and tell us where to go. I mean, down to every little thing in your life. I don't care how unimportant it may seem. uh, It's not unimportant to God. God takes every aspect of your life very, very seriously, you know, you know, and he knows when you're hurting, you know, he knows plans that are before you. He knows the needs that you have to make those plans and those dreams come to fruition. He knows what's what the expectations are. You know, he knows more than you do. Why? Because he can see into the future. He knows he knows what your future is like. Like, but he also stands back and he watches and he waits and he listens to see how faithful are you going to be in coming to him? You know, how faithful are you going to be? You know, I mean, I, I, we've all known, known kids or youngsters, you know, who just continually seem to want to knock their heads against the wall. And you're saying all that kid just needs to do is to listen. You know, I keep telling that child to do this and do that, but they never ask they never seek advice. They just go on and do it. And what happens every single time they run into trouble, you see. And we do the same thing with God so many times. You know, God knows that if we just simply remember to ask him first, then we would not go out there getting ourselves into trouble. Amen. Amen. So how do we endure? The word of God says that all of these things have to come to pass. But those that endure, you know, to 